welcome to the rare earth podcast a place where i bring in rare individuals to have rare conversation my name is manoj your host and now let's get the show started Welcome to another episode of the Rare Earth Podcast where I bring in rare individuals to have rare conversation. My guest today is Priyanka Bharatwaj. Who is she? Priyanka is the founder and CEO of MBA, that is Marriage Broker Auntie. <laughs> yeah, matrimonial advisory service. She basically enables singles to make one of the most important decisions of their life, that's a marriage. She basically helps people to arrange their own marriage. To really get a flavor of her style, you must actually go to YouTube and search for a video titled What Parents in the Marriage Market Say. It's one of the most funniest video and uh, a collection of great observation that Priyanka shares in that video. Her newsletter called as Shapely Girl is a brilliant collection of her observation on all things love, dating, relationships and much much more. She brings in a very fresh perspective to the marriage market like no one else. That's also reflected in her style of writing. Just to give you a little background on about Priyanka, she is a qualified engineer with a master's degree in business administration. She before coming to India and starting MBA had worked with large MNCs like Amazon and Toyota in the UK. She currently lives in Bangalore along with her husband Karthik and a uh, daughter who's 4 years old this episode covers a lot of ground as we discuss the dating market in the country the decision fatigue a lot of youth today suffer with terms like ghosting and its impact major roadblocks people face in the search of their potential partner and some fun moments that she has had with people in the country explaining what she does if you are single then this is a must listen i really had a fantastic time chatting with her so please enjoy my conversation with Priyanka Bharadwaj. Priyanka, welcome to the Rare Earth Show. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. And uh, I have been, uh, you know, following you on Twitter and on YouTube and reading your <laughs> newsletters. Uh, I- I'm married. I have, I have a, I've got a daughter who's nine years old. So no intentions to get married, wow, okay. but <laughs> <laughs> I-, I kind of like uh, what you put out yeah, there. One so. customer down. so you know like marriage is one of the biggest decisions you know uh, people make and uh, it's a very important aspect for you know choosing the partner and and uh, your company which is uh, got a very fancy name which is uh, MBA marriage broker auntie uh, helps people make that decisions by themselves in a way right so so, uh, could you could you speak a little about uh, who you are and what you are up to Sure, sure, yeah. Uh so I am Priyanka Bharadwaj. Um I started Marriage Broker Auntie way back in 2013. MBA is basically a matrimonial advisory service. Now this isn't exactly like a well established industry or anything. Yeah. So uh yeah. I most of the time I to really explain what this means. Uh what I primarily do is I support uh professionals make one of the biggest life decisions on their own independently i in some sense facilitate introspection so that they've asked themselves the right questions before they make this decision uh, because obviously what we find nowadays is um a lot of a lot of decisions like after you know uh, 
people are adults nowadays are being made independently like parents are really kind of taking a step back in terms of what they let their children do and so on but we may not necessarily be equipped to make that decision uh, given that it for for generations this has been made for us so it's almost like um, a hand holding service to help people make this decision <laughs> right i think uh, i first uh, i must give some context to how i got to know you actually uh, sure. uh, uh, i got to know about you from karthik uh, on twitter uh-huh. <laughs> so there was a there was a tweet which uh, was related to covid or something um, some time ago which attracted a lot of uh, traction i think it it went viral or you know it, it had a lot of traction a lot of eyeballs and the very i think the next day you know he came onto the uh, on twitter and said hey looks like this got some traction by the way you know let me just <laughs> send you details on <laughs> marriage broker aunty and then <laughs> so that was a interesting uh, introduction to you and uh, i just uh, stumbled onto your work and uh, since then it's been yeah it's been a interesting uh, you know follow with you and um, another another uh, you know tweet which you had written uh, this was after i had sent you an uh, invite you know i wanted you to be part of my uh, you know early guest and uh, so i had pitched to you i sent a dm to you to you know if you could feature in and i did not get any response so no obviously uh, you you had not noticed it but uh, it's been you know it's been a week or two and then i see one tweet from you which said uh, it's it i don't remember i can't quote you exactly but you said uh, it's mm-hmm. creepy when somebody follows you in all social media platforms right in everywhere something like that oh. <laughs> so i thought that was like a direct message to me like you know this is like <laughs> so so i was wondering should i should i just you know uh, unfollow what should i do like this is this is my prized guest that i was waiting for so <laughs> so no 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 it wasn't you it was uh, it was somebody who followed me on all social media at the same time including social media sort of that i don't even use ah okay um, so it scared me a little bit <laughs> so so yeah i had a very uh, interesting start to you know you know pitching to you so i was just right. wondering that <laughs> but here we are so glad you came on awesome yeah i'm glad i finally saw your message <laughs> <laughs> thank you so uh, so how did you come about with the name uh, this is a very very like fantastic brand building name i feel like you no know, marriage broker aunty it really communicates <laughs> what what it stands for <laughs> so uh, what's the story behind the name though uh, well funnily i think uh, i came up with the name about 15 years ago uh wow in okay. in conversation in conversation with karthik my husband uh, yes. <laughs> uh, this is back when um i think he was trying to enter the marriage market and uh, he was telling me about his exploits and and back then we were just uh, chat friends we used to chat with each other on gtalk mm. uh i used to follow his blog and that's how we had gotten like talking and uh, we were chatting and he was telling me about his marriage ex- like you know marriage market exploits and stuff and i was telling him about how i've always found it so fascinating and i've always wanted to learn more about these stories um Hmm. from the marriage market but unfortunately like none of my older cousins like really share these stories with me because like I'm among the youngest cousins at home uh so <laughs> okay. I'd love to hear and I will be your marriage broker auntie like to listen to your stories and like set you up with people I know and stuff like that and it was a name that just came up randomly like that right yeah. so eventually in 2013 when I decided to sort of you know uh, make a facebook page out of it and things like that uh I was like hey, this name sounds funny enough Like I'm not really an auntie, so it sounds kind of funny if I right. call myself an auntie. 
So wow. yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I think yeah, uh, this is this is quite unique because uh, uh, there are so many dominant players out there, you know, uh, yeah. with very very professional presence, and uh, sure. and <laughs> you you enter into the scene with with a unique uh, uh, brand line and brand name, and. Uh, uh, make a claim that you know you could solve this this big problem that people <laughs> have so so how did you actually even dare to get into this space like uh it's like it's like people don't even you know think it's like a given default there are some big players already existing uh so yeah. uh, i feel it's quite a daring thing that you explored or you have clearly identified there is a gap that these guys are not fulfilling which you really feel that you can you know bridge that gap yeah yeah no i think um I think there wasn't any sort of grand planning or anything that went into kind of starting Marish Prakranti way back way back in 2013. It just uh, it just so happened that I set up a few friends at work, uh, yeah. like a couple of friends who ended up getting married, and I was like, "Hey, this sounds like an interesting like you know uh, hobby. Uh, so why don't I just start a Facebook page and set up people within my own network to see what happens." Um, it wasn't so much with the intention of okay, let me help them get married. It was more, can I facilitate interest, like introductions among like interesting people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, once I started doing that, it was a lot of fun, and it just became a fixation after that. So when I actually <laughs> uh, did my MBA, as in like <laughs> masters in business administration. <laughs> now you now you got to clarify that, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I, I, it was almost like a live sort of uh, case that I had in my mind that I could sort of think about and see how I could apply what I was learning um, in my business school to to actually sort of building a business out of what I was doing, right? Because uh, I didn't do it for money when I started in 2013. I only started sort of, you know, getting any sort of revenues from this uh, after, you know, completing my uh, business degree. Um yeah, I mean, at that point of time, I was so obsessed and I had seen so many issues with the market, right? Like there are so many gaps in this industry. Uh, I felt like when I took the, like, like so for most part, it was actually just part-time. Uh, it was only last year that I decided to like, quit my full-time job and do this full-time. So I think when I started doing this full-time, I had two options. I could either be yet another sort of matrimonial app or a dating app. Or I could try and solve every little problem that is out there and eventually sort of be a one-stop shop Mm. for everything, relationships and marriage. Uh, And I kind of chose the latter. uh, And I'm glad I did that because it's allowing me to experiment so much uh, without the pressure of having to grow really fast and things like that, which is the kind of pressure most startups have, right? Right, right. Yeah, very interesting. I think that's a, that's a good start uh, to. I think it's people may feel this is a fairly new startup or something like that. But I think you've been on this space, uh, you know, contemplating, working on it behind the scenes for all these years, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, your background, you know, definitely you you're an engineer and you went on to do your. Uh, uh, you know, MBA, the, the qualification yeah, wise, yeah. and uh, yeah. could you t- and uh, could you tell a little bit about your your initial years of studies and where you graduated from? Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. And I feel like this is a story that I don't really talk about often. Uh, people just think of me as this crazy lady who's obsessed with helping people get married. Uh, but uh, no, so I grew up in Bangalore and I went to school um, in Bangalore. I went to a school called National Public School. Um, I studied there for 14 years. Uh, 
then I went on to do my engineering from MS Ramaya Institute of Technology in Bangalore as well. Mm. Um, after I graduated, I went and worked with Toyota uh, Motors uh, for five years. Okay. I worked in manufacturing. Um, so I have a very strong background in operation strategy and manufacturing, which obviously people don't know <laughs> when I <laughs> pitch myself as a managed broker. Um, <laughs> Uh, then I went on to do my MBA. I went to uh, school in Spain, uh, went to a place called IESC Business School in Barcelona. Mm. Um, and after my MBA, I worked with Amazon in the UK. Um, and yeah, I moved back to India last year and I started doing this full time. Wow. <laughs> now, look at that. I think uh, <laughs> if I speak to any conventional, uh, you know, a broker, <laughs> the so-called <Yeah. laughs> broker, I don't think these credentials will ever add up in their, you know, generations. I don't, I, I really, oh, really yeah. suspect that. But uh, <laughs> so uh, you really have such a promising background and uh, you, uh, you completely diversified to something which you're passionate about. So yeah. uh, how, how did that go? With, how was that conversation with your folks? Well, they were uh, they were obviously quite sort of taken aback. They always they, they always thought uh, they they always never really understood what my obsession with trying to get people married was. Mm. Uh, although my gr- grandmother is always very excited about it because she's somebody who does this as a hobby as well. Like uh, <laughs> so, she obviously. Uh, really gets it. Yeah. Uh, but my parents for a long time didn't really get it until I told them that I want to quit my job to do this full time. They mm. were nervous in the beginning because they were like, oh my God, you're going to have such a step down in your lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Who's going to pay you that much money and <laughs> things like that. But uh, obviously they were really uh, supportive and they've been so supportive because, you know, generally in the family, no one's really sort of, Hmm. gone on this whole entrepreneurial route uh so and especially doing something that is so traditional in some sense right uh so um they're super supportive like a lot of people go to them and ask them yeah what is your daughter doing does she make any money or (laughs) 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 how do they survive and uh, (laughs) right yeah but they're cool yeah uh, that's 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 amazing you know um, uh, that your folks were uh, you know open to the idea and uh, you know really encouraged no, they've uh, been yeah. they've been really awesome yeah uh, that's that's really great yeah uh, that's quite yeah. a story actually uh, conventionally if you know people with that kind of uh, promising background you know in terms of education and work experience would really yeah. uh, not 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 at all you know approve of a decision like this right so it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's I such mean, a great story though yeah yeah, I think in a world where everyone's trying to become a product manager, to stop being a product manager and do something like this uh, is, uh, yeah, <laughs> takes a lot of thinking. Absolutely, absolutely. So actually, kudos to you too, because, you know, yeah, you said that there's nobody coming from a business background in your family. So uh, you also, you know, went into a territory which was completely unexplored, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I stumbled upon your a newsletter which is the shapely girl uh, and i must say it's like a fantastic resource to you know to really get a flavor of you know what you think how you, you know what your thoughts are what your observations are so i really love the format that you use you know you you kind of r- write down uh, what you observed maybe the past week or the month and then you kind of yeah. share share the resources of the books and you write in yeah. a fashion which i think 
if if there are a lot of south indians i think they really vibe very well with you <laughs> <laughs> I, i think there is that flavor of you know like only south indians can get that uh, so uh, you really you know put right. that element in your uh, in your style of conversation and in your style of uh, you know videos and uh, your messages so That's i really yeah. yeah yeah so there there was one article and i'm going to quote uh, your newsletter a couple of times so uh, so sure, bear with yeah. me on that so uh, so there was a mention of decision fatigue that people experience right, right. Uh, right. Uh, so could you just elaborate on that please yeah yeah for sure so um, i think what's happened in the last 7 8 years is that um, because of all these dating apps and and you know the whole sort of advent of online dating um, people feel like they have infinite choice right uh there is no pressure on them to make a decision so you could swipe once have a conversation <laughs> with somebody and know that there is somebody else on the next swipe mm. uh so there is no pressure to make a decision but then mm. when you sort of artificially try to pressurize yourself to make that decision you you sort of find it really hard so people uh find it extremely hard they feel tired to even think about making a decision this often mm. um and it's a decision as simple as hey do i want to have a conversation with this person mm. interesting so mm. that's what i mean by decision fatigue that like people are so tired of having to make these small decisions on a daily basis that they're not even able to make like big decisions in their life and and that is primarily because we are flooded with too much choices we think uh rather than too much choices i would say there's this illusion of uh you know infinite choices where you feel like you have a lot of choice but you don't really right. uh, just the way the experience is designed it makes you feel like you have a lot of choice uh, i i remember you you mentioning that it's it's the art of it, it's a process of elimination it's not a process of selection oh yeah oh uh, yeah? yeah right yeah for sure yeah yeah it's like uh, i mean like the 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 sort of common uh, anecdote that i or like an example that i like to uh, allude to is how you know when you write all these competitive exams like um, iit je or mm. cat uh, mm. the first step is elimination right like they're trying to reduce like a uh, like 10 lakh people to about like 5000 people or something like that so it's mm. a process of elimination uh, more than selection and that's how people approach partner search because they think that there are actually uh 10 lakh people applying for this position of becoming their partner right right and and a lot of people uh, actually give up in this very stage where they they really have to run through this process of elimination or you know arriving at a selection and they feel this is like too much work right yeah yeah i mean like they shouldn't exactly be wasting their time on this right mm-hmm. like i don't even know why we ended up in a situation where we have to spend time on this mm-hmm. like today there is no choice but to spend time on this and to go through this process in order to find yourself a partner but how did we even get here mm-hmm. yeah i think we we will dive deep into that a little later so uh, i want to yeah. go go back to a very interesting experiment that you did uh, with mba which mm-hmm. was the uh, you know uh, dinners club Yeah, so uh, could club. you yeah dinner club sorry uh, so could you tell uh, tell uh, the audience you know what, what is dinner club and what was it all about and how did it that go yeah yeah sure so dinner club again was one of those things that just happened i happened to uh, uh, join a uh, lunch club which happens to be like your ai based uh, introductions platform mm. uh, so i was on lunch club and i went on two three meetings on lunch club and i found the experience to be 
so similar to being on a dating platform hmm. um so i just put out a tweet and i said hey you know what i just got ghosted by somebody on lunch club i don't know if i'm agile or fragile <laughs> uh i'm starting dinner club yeah. <laughs> for people who are single right um right, right. and it just so happened that a few friends uh sort of shared the message uh on twitter and it sort of you know gained a bit of traction and you know within the first three days 100 people had signed up and wow. <laughs> at that point i was like oops I've got to do this now, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? I thought maybe like three or four people will sign up and then, you know, I could just have a chat with them and it'll be over. But um, yeah, people, quite a few people signed up and uh, I had basically decided to give this three months simply because it was a bit of a uh, low period for marriage for Karanti because, you know, it was like... covid peak time in terms of lockdown etc and so people a lot of my clients had put their search on hold um so i thought okay i have the time to do this and so that's how i started dinner club and so dinner club was very much inspired by lunch club in the sense that introductions uh, you know these meetings would happen virtually and they would also be blind you don't get to pick uh, who you go on a meeting with although you can do that now um, on lunch club so dinner club was essentially your virtual blind dating sort of project where people sign up and i set them up with somebody based on their preferred age group mm-hmm. um, and more or less in terms of you know what their vibe was like because they everybody had submitted a 1 minute video of like like an intro um so yeah so uh, i ended up setting um, setting up people on dates i think we did over 100 dates uh of which uh you know nearly like uh, a little more than 40% ended up enjoying the date so much that they wanted to meet the like same person again go on another wow. date with the same person <laughs> that's remarkable that's 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 amazing yeah mm. yeah right like i would have never ever imagined that you know someone could have enjoyed the first date so much especially on a blind date where you just drop all your judgment uh, right. and just go with the flow right and uh, uh, do, during that process did you witness anything which was quite a revelation for you it was like oh oh i didn't know that even this could happen or something like that was there anything uh unique in in this experiment yeah i think for me the biggest revelation for me was because you know i'm in the business of getting people married and we go through all of these matrimonial platforms and you wet people like crazy before talking to them mm. uh just the willingness of people to let somebody else sort of make a blind introduction uh was was amazing for me um I don't I I don't think I'd imagine that people would be so open. Yeah, I think uh would, would you attribute that for the fact that you know people were in uh, you know indoors because of covid or do you think uh the mentality of the people that you were dealing with or who very much applied for dinner club uh were, you know that that was a reason? I I know I wouldn't think I wouldn't think it was necessarily the mentality of people who applied to this but I think one factor definitely is covid right like you mm. don't like you don't have much choice like right right <laughs> like this is something that you know you don't mind trying so a lot of people did sort of sign up to see what this was about but I think at the same time people probably were a little bit tired right of mm. being on these dating apps and finding that experience absolutely excruciating mm. uh so yeah it was it was nice to sort of see people being open to something new mm. yeah 
True. And uh, see, I have a lot. I have a lot of friends who are you know like boys and girls who are still mm-hmm. actively searching for a potential companion or partner. And, sure. Uh, no, this is not a pitch for a business, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, what seems to be the the major problem or uh, uh, the roadblock that you notice with with these? Uh, the, mostly we're talking about the educated class, right? The the, the ones yeah. who are yeah. working, both the men and women are working, doing very well for yeah. themselves in their careers, yeah. but they still yeah. don't seem to arrive at a, you know, a, a agreement with, with the potential partners who have been, you know, introduced by the conventional approaches. So uh, what seems to be sure. the problem here? Um, and I, I mean, know it's a wide ranging problem, but then uh, yeah. what you see yeah. uh, seem to see as the pattern? Um, I think there are a couple of different uh, themes. Uh, One, obviously, is the mode of introduction, right? I feel like we've all sort of grown up on watching a lot of movies and like media that has fed us. uh, I mean, that has kind of like made us believe that, you know, you need to meet your partner a certain way. You Mm. need to sort of have this moment of epiphany or like love at first sight and things like that. So I think we're so attuned to believing that the universe will give us a sign when we need to make that decision. So people don't sort of realize that they need to make that decision themselves. And like, there will be no sign from the universe every (laughs) other day. Uh, That is one thing, right? Like it's just, it's just how media like makes us believe. And like, we've all grown up watching so many movies or like whatever that we've loved to everything. This is how it's supposed to happen. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually reminded of this uh, uh, Tamil movie called Alay Pate. Okay. Uh, I was waiting for you to <laughs> quote some movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember watching this movie. Uh, I think I was probably 13 or 14 when that mm. movie came out. And it was during our summer holidays. And I remember watching that movie and thinking that, yes, you know, when am I going to go to college and, you know, lock eyes with a random guy, you know, <laughs> in a bus <laughs> or in a train and, you know, uh, have that moment like Maddie does in the movie, right? Where you feel like, shit, okay, you know, I love this person and I want to be with this person <laughs> for the rest of my life. Totally, like, I feel yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like that that shaped my thinking of what love should be like or like what partnership should be like right and I'm sure everybody has their own movie that that sort of shaped their thinking in terms of what meeting a partner should be like right so Mm. because of that you expect that you'll have such moments in your life Mm. Um, and because you set out with these expectations when things don't necessarily pan out that way uh, (laughs) you 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 end up feeling lost so it's very hard for you to make that decision right Mm -hmm. that's one thing and the second thing at least like as you asked this question about you know the highly sort of educated people what I find is the more we talk about gender equality and things like that Mm -hmm. I feel like somewhere we might be losing sense of like just the differences between the two genders like at the end of the day there are two separate genders while they may be equally able and they must not be discriminated based on their gender. Mm -hmm. There are still evolutionary differences between the two. Um, And I feel some way we have learned to ignore those differences or we've, you know, stopped acknowledging them because of which I find that men and women think that the opposite gender thinks exactly like the way they think. Mm. And 
I can clearly see how all the men, generally speaking, uh, want certain things from women and women want certain things from men, which is quite different from each other. Mm. And so not acknowledging that there is difference in the way these genders think also causes people to not be in touch with reality in some sense. So uh, they they operate with this preconceived notion about how the other person is. And uh, pretty much they think they are the same way as, you know, uh, as them, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I can give you a typical sort of uh, example that I would see, right? Uh, women who are very well educated, uh, who are great in every way, right? Mm. They, they're smart, they look good, they have like interesting hobbies, they take care of their health, etc. Mm. Feel that any guy who has the same sort of values as them should automatically like them. Right. Or who is similar to them will like them, right? Uh they don't acknowledge that a person like them, like a guy like them, may not necessarily value the same things about them. Mm. On the other hand, men um, at 30 or 31 still haven't really uh, figured out their careers and they feel like uh, women might be in a similar place as them. Mm. Whereas women, by 30, 31, most women kind of know what they want to do with their careers because they have this artificial clock ticking that, you know, they need to get married. So they try to make sure like the career part of their life is somewhat sort of sorted. And this is generally speaking, right? There's always exceptions. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, like people not being able to see that the opposite gender is different from them is a bit of a problem. I, I think uh, th- this discussion could turn out to be very, uh, you know, I think some people may take it in a in a sense like, you know, it's all about equality. Uh, so uh, when you bring in uh, the evolutionary aspect, there are things which are in play, which you do not have a control on. Right. So that's what yeah, you mean by yeah. that. Right. So, yeah, like, for example, like women, women, like there are some women who tell me, uh, no, I'm not saying whether this is right or wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to tell you how women like, you know, sometimes women think, uh, and it makes you wonder, like, there are, uh, like, when women come and say, hey, uh, listen, I want the guy to, you know, earn much more than I do. Mm. Uh, and then you ask them, but wait, we're talking about equality, you want someone who appreciates <laughs> your independence, but why do you want somebody who makes more money than you? Mm. Um, and then you think, and then they come back and say, yeah, I mean, that's true. But then, you know, uh, I do want to have children. And if I were to take a break from my career for a couple of years to have a few kids, Mm. uh, I'd like my husband to be able to support our lifestyle. And then you think, yeah, I mean, if you had a choice, you probably would make the husband have the child, right? (laughs) And you probably wouldn't want him to make more than you. Right, right. Mm. Right? I mean, so there are so many of these things that are so specific to genders that you can't look at them from the angle of men and women are equal. Yes, they're equally able people, but there are differences. Yeah, totally agree that. I think uh, uh, also, you, you know, there, there was a very interesting piece that you'd written about uh, how, I, I think it was about the end product, right? So uh, mostly yeah. mostly the men who go through the entire uh, process of, you know, getting themselves educated, going through three different institutes, and completely away from the opposite gender and, you know, uh, completely uh, devoted and invested with their own, you know, uh, setting their careers and getting that 
uh, going by the time they yeah. come out to the marketplace they have no idea about emotional quotient or how to release communicate with a girl True. right True. and uh, so they uh, so so that gap or th- that issue are, are people aware of this or they are c- completely clueless about it what do you see uh i i tend to think that people are clueless about it till it's kind of really late mm. uh, <laughs> it's only when they like you know their parents have been forcing them for a couple of years to get married and they find that they're not having a lot of luck because uh they've sort of grown up in some sense you know moved away from their hometowns they work mm. in bigger cities and like you know they they find certain types of girls interesting but that's not the type of girl that's coming in terms of a proposal through family that's when it hits them and that's when they realize oh shit i should have taken this into my own hands <laughs> but i don't really know how to do this right, right and i right. feel like that's really that's really such a huge gap and you know uh it is one of my personal sort of like passion projects is to provide some sort of intervention not me per se but like you know if there was some way uh for for an intervention to say hey listen you know you don't just have to go through iidj coaching or like cat coaching or something like that you also need to be coached to understand that at some point you may want to get married and you need to know how to build your own personal brand so that you can be appealing to the opposite gender absolutely uh, i think such a valuable yes. lesson such a valuable lesson yeah. yes yeah. please continue yeah. sorry yeah i was going to say there should be something like a like a y combinator for love like a love combinator <laughs> <laughs> i think i see you coming with a new idea now okay <laughs> uh, i mean it was it was it was kind of something that i was uh, talking about with a few friends uh, six months ago like six seven months ago before covid started where we were like you've got to induct people and get a bunch of like people to coach them to sort of think about other things apart from just education or career because there's much more in life than just that hmm. uh, and you want to do it at the right time because they can then use the networking opportunities that are available in colleges or you know at work to make use of it rather than having to wait till they need to get to a matrimonial platform and things like that that will be fascinating i think if you can really <laughs> make that happen <laughs> I, i i think that will be a game changer uh, for a lot of people uh, because i i see a lot of grown men uh, we're not talking, to- yeah. talking about boys i'm talking about grown yeah. men uh, yeah. seem completely you know clueless about really how to even talk to a girl when you know even when they are presented with a situation where it's a proposal situation and he's sitting one on one with the girl and yeah he is like completely mum or you know he's talking about things which is completely irrelevant right so yeah absolutely i mean uh, we saw we saw like that guy akshay in indian matchmaking right like where oh yeah <laughs> he was incapable of having a conversation right right so you know from the definition of society he must have you know he's an achiever he is uh, you know done well for himself he's got all the credentials but uh, from a emotional standpoint i think he would be a disaster right so yeah absolutely yeah and uh, so you you had mentioned about the you know indian marriage can be you know categorized as the toyota way or the amazon way <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, could, could you could you share about that please oh wow i think i wrote about this a while back now i don't even remember what it was about um yeah. i think it was about uh, if i remember correctly it was about like in 
Toyota, like because these are two companies that I worked with 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 a very strong culture, right? Mm. Um, in Toyota, like before you make a decision, you consult with everybody. You have to like build consensus and align and like everything before an actual decision is made. Mm. Whereas um, at Amazon, you you sort of make a decision and then sort of answer questions. Um, you know, that, that sort of make you reflect on whether your decision was right or wrong. Um, I was just thinking about this earlier today, right? Like, I, I think it's fascinating uh, to, to think about decisions being made the Amazon way because very often at Amazon, we spoke about something like the, uh, two of the leadership principles that they follow in Amazon is um, bias for action mm. um, and deep dive. And we always talk about how you need to find that fine balance between the two of them. You can't mull over deep dive forever without taking any action. But at mm. the same time, you can't take action in haste. You've got to deep dive a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think it applies so well to the like decision of finding yourself a partner because I feel like people spend years trying to find the perfect one uh, versus versus just acting on it. Um, and there are also some people who decide on a whim and then kind of struggle with that decision they make. Uh, so it's about finding that balance and working with that. Mm -hmm. And and in the, in the recent times uh, or with the current generation that you, you work with, mm -hmm. do you see mm -hmm. any bias or any approach which is biased to one of these, this, uh, the Amazon way, or do you still feel uh, they spend too much time, you know, uh, thinking on it and not acting on it? Yeah, I mean, definitely, right? Like uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking, uh, waiting for that perfect person to come along, for the universe to give them a sign on <laughs> you know, how the decision needs to be made. Uh, because it's daunting, right? It's almost like one of the first decisions you make as an adult pretty much independently. Like till that point, it's like either your parents tell you what to do or, you know, you get a rank and, you know, you end up taking a seat where, you get mm. uh, at least in India, right? Uh, and because of that, you don't like you don't independently like make too many decisions as adults. And mm. this is one of those first decisions you make. So obviously, you're not going to be like super confident in terms of making this decision. And that naturally reflects in the amount of time people take and how much they struggle with it. Uh, and so that is why probably sometimes I see a lot of people who approach this the Amazon way where they ask their parents, they ask their friends, they ask everybody possible as to who the right one is for them uh, mm. before they act on it. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, who are your, you know, main clients? Are, are they the parents or are they the, the, the candidates themselves approach you? Who are your uh, target audience? Yeah, I, I work only with people who are looking to get married themselves. I don't work with parents at all. Um, <laughs> I do get leads from parents. Okay. Uh, but uh, I don't work with the parents because the whole idea is, hey, you can do this on your own. You've got this. And I will help you think through this decision. Mm -hmm. I, I understand where you come from because I'm from a similar generation and I speak to tons of people from your generation. But at the same time, I've been married for almost a decade myself, so I know what it's what's on the other side, like your parents do or like any auntie does, right? So, mm. <laughs> um, so I bring that perspective, and so my clients are people who are looking to get married. Okay, and uh, 
what do you think is the perception of these uncle and aunties about you <laughs> what do they think about you like do you do you get any vibe from the parents like you know what kind of work you do i don't think anybody <laughs> understands what i do <laughs> <laughs> um like uh, yeah i think for me what happens is because what i do is so uh, niche i really have to explain myself and uh, you know how i'm trying to help people most of the time they don't get it uh, a lot of parents come and tell me oh you know my daughter is very smart or like my son is very smart he doesn't need any advice right and, right uh, <laughs> uh, they're like what do you do like why are people paying you money for this like <laughs> um so no they don't really get what i do but sometimes what i find is a lot of parents um seek comfort in uh somebody who shares their 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 pain their right like they find yeah. that yeah exactly like they're constantly telling their children to get married because they're worried that you know the the older you get the lower your supply is which is a very legit concern hmm. uh but at the same time they don't want to push their kids too much because you know kids nowadays are much more independent etc and when they see a lot of their friends not necessarily struggling with the same issue hmm. they feel a little alone Right. Just like how single people do, right? Like with, uh, if a lot of your friends are married and you're the only one who's single, you feel a bit lonely and parents feel the same way, right? They have no one to talk to and there's also a lot of pressure from the society saying, "Oh, what are you doing with your life? Why aren't you getting your like 30-year-old daughter married or something like that," right? right? So, to be able to talk to me is very comforting. So, sometimes, you know, parents reach out to me through relatives or friends and they just kind of unload which i really don't mind because it's nice to talk to parents sometimes uh the kind of parents that i uh, get a little frustrated talking to sometimes is um people who don't then subsequently introduce me to their children and they kind of shield them a lot mm. uh kind of defeats the purpose and it's not really from a like oh you're not bringing me business perspective it's more like hey this is the reason your kids not getting married mm. because you're protecting them too much absolutely absolutely yeah i think the 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 sense of uh, always guarding for this uh, you know son or daughter all the way yeah. till uh, you know even after yeah. they are adults i think that that really defeats the purpose right right yeah absolutely yeah and I, i what i found interesting about your approach is if if i really look into your vocabulary or your the way you use language it sounds so much like i'm i'm communicating with somebody who is a totally technical person which you are <laughs> and you 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 use you know words like uh, you know uh, you know visibility uh, transaction time and you know supply of cost <laughs> and and i i will i will just not believe you know it's in the context of marriage that you're using it and even even i think the recent one where you mentioned about uh, you know uh, as an asset i'm pretty sure my clients hate it because you know they like to think of this process as oh it's about me falling in love and you know <laughs> when i say marriage market they like can you please not call it that i'm like okay you know i think you must just continue with it because it's it's like so awesome to have such fresh language in that space and uh, i think it 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 appeals to people at least to the, the 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 class you know the educated ones who really are open to exploring that i think yeah it, it's yeah. so good so so good <laughs> So, thank you and uh, so you you had mentioned about uh, uh, you know listening to one of the podcasts that is the knowledge project uh, where shane parish is in conversation with uh, esther right 
Yeah, correct. Okay, and there was an interesting, uh, you know, dynamic discuss there, which was about uh, excitement and stability, right? Yeah. Uh, could, could you yeah. just uh, share, uh, you know, a little bit in, in detail about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of uh, uh, Esther Perel's hallmark sort of, you know, mm-hmm. work, right? Where she talks about the problem with modern relationships is people, like until very recently, people sort of, married, you know, for for economic sort of reasons, women didn't work, they needed some sort of financial support. And that's why they married men and, you know, things like that. But it's only like more recently in the last, you know, um, like 30, 40 years, or probably less than that, we're marrying for love. Hmm. Like where people, people are expecting all of their needs to be satisfied by one person, uh, which she says is pretty unrealistic. But at the same time, the problem with that is you're expecting excitement and stability at the same time, which is quite contrary, right? Like, mm-hmm. how can you get both of it at the same time? Like, there will be excitement in the beginning when there's novelty and you don't really know too much about each other. Mm. Um, you know, I have this really sort of like weird anal- analogy to sort of share, right? Uh, if you if you think about sex, mm. uh, imagine imagine just the process of sex, right? Like if there is in and out, sex is exciting. Mm. But if somebody just got into you and lay there, it's not exciting. It's right. stable, right? It's that whole motion of up and down that causes excitement. And it's similar to that. Now, I will never forget this point for sure. This is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sorry my... Sorry for no, 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 that's good. I, I think that was, that, that's interesting because... I think the element of excitement uh, and uh, stability, I think also the factor of age. Uh, so as, as uh, if, 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 a, if a girl is very young and then she's aspiring for these excitement at a certain stage, it is understandable. So uh, now let's say she's, you know, you know, in her early 30s and then she's still not found her love. She mm-hmm. may have a different priority. And uh, since she didn't have her share of excitement, she may also expect the same from uh, the partner. That's what you're trying to say, right? It could be excitement as well as stability, both that they expect, which is, which may or may so, not happen. No, no. So Esther talks about excitement and stability from the context of committed relationships, like where you're already in a relationship and you're expect, expecting stability in the relationship along with finding your partner exciting throughout your life. Mm, okay. Like where she says that like, you know, it's very contradictory and that doesn't exist. And the fact that we're even expecting something like this is crazy, which is why a lot of marriages fail nowadays, because you're expecting the impossible. Now, to your point about, you know, women in 20s might want excitement, whereas women in 30s might expect something else. Uh, Not true. I get a lot of clients who are in their 50s and are looking for excitement. Uh, Yeah, I had missed that aspect about, yeah. So she was talking in the context of married couple. Okay. Yeah. So moving on to another interesting uh, aspect about, uh, you know, the the recent times that we hear uh, a jargon called ghosting. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so, and this is, uh, you know, uh, the new terminologies which has come into play. There are many things maybe like ghosting. So could you just share yeah. uh, your, your thoughts on what is ghosting and uh, are there any other interesting such <laughs> words coined recently? Yeah, actually, I started learning about like some new words only recently because I did this little project where... Uh, <laughs> 
I spoke to, so because of marriage procurity, I get access to only people of a certain age group. They're mm-hmm. you know twenty five and over. uh because that's when they're looking to get married like before that marriage seems like a crazy idea and stuff like that so i did this project where i spoke to uh a huge number of people between the ages 15 to 25 mm. to learn about uh what they think about relationships and love and um, you know what forms what shapes their behavior and relationships and things like that so i learned a lot of new words there is uh, there is gaslighting there is bread crumbing there's ghosting oh, okay <laughs> there are there are a bunch of things that i don't think i completely understood but yeah we'll talk about ghosting because you know it happens a lot mm. uh, ghosting from my perspective is anything from you got a match with somebody on a dating app and they don't respond to your text if you sent them a text after that or they go missing after that right like when you get a match what is the expected behavior that you know they talk to you or when you talk to them they respond when they go mia and mm. when they use going mia as a way to tell you what they're thinking uh right from there to people who've been in relationships or like have been dating for a while and suddenly people go missing and you never hear from them after that like everything that is in between that is ghosting for me right mm. like where people are not able to communicate verbally that for me is ghosting um in fact we saw a little bit of that even on dinner club not too much mm-hmm. uh, very very little but nevertheless it was it was unpleasant um and it really made me realize how sad ghosting is um for me the problem with ghosting is there's a certain callousness among people in terms of how they treat each other right like mm. how often would you hear a story of someone going missing and not responding in a conversation let's say 20 years ago mm. not much no not like, common not common at all yeah. yeah but like with the whole advent of dating apps like it's so easy to pretend like somebody doesn't exist or feel like you not closing something is okay Uh, what do you think you know makes people behave that way like what causes somebody to not be accountable or respond or say something and just vanish like um it's easy to do it today there's no friction uh, to vanish uh, so when there's no friction to vanish and it's the easier way out of a situation why not right hmm They're like okay. oh yeah this person will understand like big deal i'm sure they're talking to many people and they're not really paying attention to me so i don't need to have a proper closure with this person um and they'll understand like the whole assumption of they're going to be okay and this is not going to affect someone hmm. that your actions will not affect somebody this assumption is is what allows people to interesting be careless about it yeah, yeah. I, and i think uh, as you rightly stated the the person who's experiencing that uh, i think that leaves them in a very very bad taste with with that right so and yeah. it, it takes yeah, them a I mean, long absolutely. time to overcome that uh, that feeling of you know feel left out and completely uh, not feeling being acknowledged right so 
Yeah, absolutely right. Like I mean, like some people may not be affected by it. The same people may not be affected by it sometimes, but it really depends on the state of mind you're in, you know, what you are going through at that point of time and how you read the signal, right? If you've had a really shitty day and, you know, you were feeling really low um, on confidence and you came here and you thought someone looked nice and, you know, you sent them a text and they didn't respond um even after matching with you you know what, what what's your what's your um natural reaction you start to doubt yourself right mm-hmm. you start to wonder if you are really all the mistakes you did that day right right yeah and uh, you start connecting the dots and you know start making yeah. meaning out of that right so yeah 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 thanks to steve jobs <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> do you feel responsible for matchmaking do you feel like when something doesn't work out do you, do you personally feel responsible so i don't usually matchmake uh, but the very few times that i have like incidentally not as a service but just because you know um um and you people i look at it merely as an introduction so all i do is i say hey i know this person you know this person you guys might get along uh, so i'm making an intro see what you make of it right um what people make of this introduction is really up to them mm. um so i don't assume responsibility for a decision i don't make because i don't make the decision of whether they should be getting married or getting into a relationship or any such thing um but in terms of an introduction i don't think i regret any introduction i made till date um having said that you know choosing a partner is also a gamble right like sometimes it pays off sometimes it doesn't and it's for a variety of reasons that you know isn't necessarily always in our control hmm. um so when it doesn't i guess it's just unfortunate right thankfully i don't have a sad story to tell so <laughs> that should that's very good very good yeah uh, so how would you measure uh, you know your success if if you were to call yourself maybe like you know uh, that you're successful uh, and and you may have your own personal definition for that but what what contributes to you to making you as a success you know in your in your own definition i think um, if engaging with me has unlocked even a tiny knot in people's head uh, that allows them to move one step forward in any way possible that for me is a success if people feel differently after engaging with me versus how they felt before and mm-hmm. in a positive way uh that for me is a success that's beautiful like yeah. a lot of times yeah like a lot of times i feel like so so people engage with me on a one time basis first and i always encourage them to do that because it allows both of us a chance to really get to know each other and feel like safe and sure that we want to work together for longer uh and if people come back and say hey yes i would like to engage with you further that in itself for me is a bit of a success right mm. yeah because they really uh, felt to connect with you and they they obviously want to continue that so they see hope Uh, and that for me is enough i think that's that's really nice i think uh it's amazing that you you had you know sorted that definition in your mind so clearly i think uh for many of us still you know sometimes that that definition keeps changing or uh, there is no clarity in you know what success would mean to us so it, it's really nice to see that you were so sorted about that 
there is no end to this right if you think about it like me getting somebody married is not success them having a successful marriage and dying happily is success but <laughs> i'm not going to wait around till then to figure out if i was successful this is in my control and this is all i can do that's true that's totally true uh, have have you had moments with uh, clients you know uh, where you could actually clearly see there is there is a problem with the personality there is an issue which they completely are not willing to acknowledge but you can notice that you can clearly see that and if they can just tweak that one thing it could make a difference in their attracting better you know companions or partners uh, so how do you deal with a situation like that if you encounter mm, i don't you know i mean there are there are clients that you connect with very naturally and you know the connection is very seamless and there are clients with whom it's much more difficult to get through because their personality like is such that they aren't necessarily sort of the most easy people to talk to mm-hmm. uh but i never hold that against them because they are who they are right uh and i always wish for them to find people who are able to see them beyond that uh I I don't necessarily ever go and tell people hey it's really difficult to talk to you you should be more friendly and that's <laughs> when people come talk to you um however having said that if somebody has any sort of you know blocks in their mind which is not necessarily a part of their personality but you know just a uh, misinterpretation of a situation they went through um then I help them trying to unlock like for example I can give an example of somebody who would always um fall into this trap of fixing people's lives beat with his friends or like uh, past relationships and so on mm. and he always found that uh once his mission was accomplished with somebody he would no longer be interested in them in some sense mm. um so helping him see that pattern in the way he behaves um made him realize that he wasn't so much getting into relationships because he liked that person because um he got excited by the challenge of fixing their life mm. uh, so helping him see that kind of like opened him up i but you know i you know i really like for me success is also in some sense about me shutting up and not saying anything but allowing them to think for themselves i think in your approach what i find so beautiful is you really are working towards enabling them it's not about you giving them an instruction instruction manual follow this you know rule book and things will work out for you but you really uh, uh, digging deeper with them make, making them contemplate and you know challenge their belief systems or you know certain blind spots that they are completely ignored and uh, making them aware i think th- that really uh tools them up for you know uh, living the life and you know really uh, moving on with uh, a potential partner right yeah yeah i mean true that's what i attempt to do right like but sometimes i also get clients who are like just tell me what to do that's why you know i'll come to you <laughs> i don't want to think for myself so that's why you know you kind of share market insights and things like that with them uh but that's what they ask for right mm-hmm. uh, so uh if you see a higher demand for that kind of a, you know uh, information would you be would you be do only uh, catering to that in a unique way or it's it's not your forte that you would want to pursue mm, i think i get a good mix of these people and i enjoy the mix there, there was this conversation that you were having with uh i think urvashi i think right yeah uh, on an insta live uh, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a interesting point which uh, i don't remember what you said but if if a girl is smart 
you know she's 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 really smart and intelligent should she really dumb down to really you know accommodate a, a partner you know if she's really been looking for a guy for a long time and then finally it's you know there is this guy which comes into the mm-hmm. equation everything seems mm. all right but you know his intelligence level and you know the girl's intelligence level are two different you know at at different scales so sh- mm-hmm. should a girl really dumb down her intelligence to just accommodate a guy so i don't i don't really know what exactly you're alluding to from our conversation like like from my conversation with urashi but like uh two things right one no i don't think a girl should dumb down uh mm-hmm. two uh there is never going to be a situation where the girl is okay with everything except his intelligence it starts with the intelligence so <laughs> <laughs> the other things don't come into picture till the intelligence cut off is cleared like most women like most women like intelligent men because that's a proxy that's a good proxy for uh you know them them being successful in their careers or having a sort of stable like income or lifestyle which is which is something that women do care about mm-hmm. okay so th- that that question does not exist using so if it, if she's a intelligent one then she will never really fall for that kind of a situ- situation where she has to really you know t- take on a guy who is not as smart yeah most of the time that's what i've seen right but like but to your question on should a girl dumb down to accommodate a potential partner no right i mean why like why should she if if that's not something she wants to do why should she do that <laughs> all right so i'll i'll uh, shift gears then i want to move yeah. on to some uh, other areas which is uh, with indian matchmaking you know netflix release there was a lot of media attention you know uh, to people who are in the similar line of work and you definitely got some eyeballs coming your way Uh, oh yeah so sure. <laughs> so how how was that experience for you and uh, how good are you with you know uh, media attention no <laughs> uh, i i'm okay i i kind of have a um, <laughs> history of coming in the paper in my family so um i'm oh, okay really? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i mean some for the right reasons and some not so much <laughs> but <laughs> Okay. Uh I'm okay with media attention. It's uh, it's something that I've been used to for a while now. Um uh, not that I'm like a celebrity uh, or or anything, but then like at least within the family, right? Like I'm probably amongst the only ones uh, who gets featured in newspapers uh like very often <laughs> compared to my relatives. When was the first time you you got featured in any media? Like what's the story behind that? Uh I think it was some like silly like school fest where you know we ended up getting some prize or something like that. Oh no, actually, uh, yeah, maybe it was like getting some some you know rank in some sort of competitive like exam, like math exam or something like that. So uh, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> okay, and, and you got featured in the newspaper or was it in the yeah, television? Yeah, yeah. No, no, in the in the newspaper. Oh, actually, I had my first television debut when I was seven years old. So uh, wow, okay, <laughs> tell me about that. What was that? <laughs> it was some dumb kid show where you know, like some kids' talent show, uh, like where you just had to show some talent, and I, I came in like one of these regional sort of um, channels. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, Sun TV network channels. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So you've been in uh, you know on and off with with media in different <laughs> platforms. Okay. <laughs> no, but like talking about the um, Indian matchmaking experience, that was that was special uh, because I felt like it sort of made my profession legit because until then, I think at least uh, among family, like people had no clue what I was doing, um, mm-hmm. and they thought I was running a little sort of hobby <laughs> like charity or like uh, uh, they had no clue what i was doing right like so to see to see that in the paper i think people felt like i'm doing something with my life uh, absolutely which is, which is obviously think. nice yeah yeah i think it gave, gives a solid validation to what you do right so yeah definitely right and, yeah and and i think uh, so uh, how did your parents feel like did, were, there, were there any calls from them or did you scream to them you know look i'm featured in the paper <laughs> <laughs> no i kind of knew that i was going to be featured in the paper because i was interviewed a few days back like before that right so i right. kind of gave them a heads up so that morning they went and like got the paper and all of that <laughs> so yeah <laughs> but yeah it was good it was good to it was good to get that publicity simply because um it was nice to be uh, acknowledged as doing something serious because people would always laugh like for example i remember i went for this family function um, like some wedding in the family and uh, uh somebody was like so what do you do do you like work or like do you stay at home and i said yeah i run my own business and the person was like what business and i said you know my like i run a matrimonial advisory thing and he just burst out laughing <laughs> oh my god Yeah so you just like uh yeah which bit was funny like cuz that's right, what i right. do right <laughs> um and then he just like he didn't want to talk further because he thought i was a crazy person saying rubbish to crack him up uh <laughs> so but yeah so from that perspective it was nice i i think it it's it's a phenomenal thing that you're doing i i, I find it uh the very reason i wanted to feature you in, in in the show is because you're doing something which is very unconventional and and it has a lot of value in in a way which people are really not looking into so it's like i like, it's like to believe good. that yeah. yeah yeah at least yeah. it makes me feel good every time i talk to somebody and i feel like i've made a difference you know in some tiny way to their life uh, it feels nice uh, i think you should start a youtube video series you know on uh, this relatives that'll be interesting <laughs> <laughs> interesting questions and you know remarks so yeah yeah true <laughs> yeah you so you and karthik uh, both you, you guys are also parents right you have a little daughter yeah uh, yeah we have a 4 year old 4 year old so uh, by yeah. the time she grows up into a young adult do you think this this concept of marriage will still exist and uh, you know do you think uh, it will be still relevant the way it is now i honestly i don't know I don't know. Uh I'm okay either ways cuz um I don't I don't necessarily go tell people that they should get married. If they want to get married, I help them. Uh so I'm okay whether this institution exists or not. So there is no uh, you know fixed framework about you know you know one should marry, one should not marry or it's live in is it companionship or is it you know Yeah, uh, I mean we're, we're same sex so- marriage or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? Like we're social animals. We we enjoy having someone else witness our life up close. Um mm. and from that perspective, companionship is great and um yeah, whatever format that works for people, right? Like I have some of my closest friends 
uh, aren't married, uh, but you know they live together and they have children together and things like that, and it hardly makes a difference. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, uh, the more broader we start thinking about this, you know, I think the less rigid we would be, and uh, there could be more harmony in the way we deal with people, right? So yeah, yeah. The important thing is to understand that uh, it it takes commitment to to make a relationship work from both sides. And mm-hmm. whether you want to sort of force that commitment through the structure of a marriage, or whether you want to make that uh, sort of assessment on a daily basis on your own, it's really up to you. Do you see uh, people really not having the patience or uh, the long-term longevity uh, mindset? Uh, lately, everybody is in a in a hurry to get things going. Everything has to happen fast. Uh, do you do you think that is the problem? So uh, I think I think for the you know we've always had the kind of problems that we had even now, right? It's just that we didn't talk about it thirty years ago, but we talk about it today, right? Uh, there so is true. ample opportunity for us to talk about issues in a marriage. Uh, people did not have the confidence or the courage to walk out of their marriages and say, "I'm going to be okay on my own," because. they lived in a society where they prioritized the society over themselves but given that we as a society are becoming more individualistic we prioritize our needs over that of you know uh, the society and so many more people are able to sort of walk out of their marriages and say that they don't want to go through this um it could also be that you know there is less of friction today to be able to do that right like you know you like people accept divorced people much more today than they did like 30 40 years ago so it's easier to do that right like so i wouldn't say there are any like new problems or anything it's just easier wow. to do this yeah i so just that with with the availability of you know all kind of medias and uh, you know internet uh, this is becoming more visible right i think this these problems always existed that's what you're saying yeah i mean it's like um like for example like we probably like uh, 20 years ago we probably ate out uh lesser like or like brought food home in like from a restaurant ate lesser but today because you know there's your swiggy or a delivery or whatever it's so easy to order food and you end up eating like outside food like three four times a week right. uh, because it's easier it's not that outside food is tastier today or like you know some <laughs> there's some new issue it's just easier all right now i'm going to move into that segment where i think we'll get to hear a little more about you okay uh, so uh, so you are a voracious reader right i think you you keep mentioning you know interesting books then stuff that you're reading so uh, from a reading perspective or from a book recommendation perspective uh, what would be your top 3 recommendation for for people who are into dating or planning to marry right yeah first me firstly let me clarify that i'm not really a voracious reader um i've never been a reader and i've always loved to be a reader uh but i must say that over the last few years i've been attempting to read a lot more than i ever did before um so for instance i think now this year i've probably read like 16 17 books um i don't really know if it counts for a voracious reader but i think i'm doing better than i'd expected so i'm okay <laughs> I, i i always felt you know of uh, people who have the ability to 
pen down and write things uh, you know they definitely <laughs> are also really good at reading so and and you were you were you were penning down you know you were mentioning a couple of good books too uh, yeah. so uh, so i did make an assumption but you that definitely qualifies for a reader <laughs> who's an active reader so yes okay <laughs> i'll take that <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah in terms of books um the one that i most recently read uh was this book called hold me tight uh by uh this person called dr sue johnson mm-hmm. uh it, it is a book about you know uh marriages and committed relationships uh and i i thought it was a phenomenal book like um her her perspective of relationships was just very refreshingly positive um and that is something that i would highly recommend that people who are in relationships read but even if you aren't in one and you're about to you know get into one you should absolutely read it because it gives you a few different examples of what relationships look like at a very fundamental level hmm. like i am somebody who believes that a relationship is essentially two people interacting and that's what makes one relationship different from another is in the way the interaction happens um so it she gives you examples of few different types of interactions um and it's very interesting to see how she gets people to sort of open up and interact differently okay okay so that'll be one, one book. book okay <laughs> um the others um i like um i mean i can't think of like anything like too related to dating and things like that that i would want to recommend uh, okay. i do read a lot of books about that but like uh, the one that i thought was really powerful and that sort of shapes marriage bookranti in some sense is um um this book called shoe dog uh, by phil knight who's uh, the founder nike of nike founder yeah yeah, yeah. shoe dog yeah uh, yeah that's a book that i absolutely love because i feel like that was the book that made me want to jump into this full time and try to see what i can make of this uh, what about the book uh, triggered that uh, journey for you what what's exactly was the uh, instance of the book i think i think it was i think you always see like founders after they've become successful and the the magnitude of their success sometimes overwhelms you but the way that book has been written is almost like 80 90% of the book is him just trying to explain what it took to even get to a point of success right like all the right. doubts that he had all the you know like just moments of not being sure of where this was headed and all the decisions he made like it, it i i feel like it's been written in a very vulnerable manner which right. is very appealing for someone who is contemplating that decision um so so yeah that was definitely a very powerful book for me yeah and in 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 that book he he really explores uh, i think you can really see he is going through so much chaos and along with that he's really moving forward right so uh yeah i i remember uh, i hadn't completed the book but uh, the story where he is dealing with the japanese Yeah. And uh that was fascinating how he really made that work, right? So No, it's a it's a it's a really cool book. Um I remember reading this book um like through my commute when I when I lived in London and at the end of the book I remembered wanting to really like move back uh to try and do this full time. Ah, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's so, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and third book, probably, uh, this is a very interesting read. It's a book called Dataclism. Um, it's a book by Christian Rudder, who is the founder of OkCupid, which is a dating app uh, within the Match.com umbrella. Uh, uh, could you repeat the name? I just missed that. Dataclism. Data. How do you spell that? D-A-T-A-C-L-Y-S-M. Okay, okay. Dataclism. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's by this guy called Christian Rudder. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the founder of OkCupid. Have you heard of OkCupid? Yes, I've heard of that. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he's the founder of that. So this book is actually a very, very interesting book, which is basically a lot of insights about dating based on the data that they collected through OkCupid. They, wow. okay. they spoke about the things that people didn't tell them. But, you know, you notice it through activity. Like, for example, I remember this very, very interesting graph that I saw where they tried to show by ages what ages of women found what ages of men attractive and the other way around. And there was this very interesting insight where they said, <laughs> no matter how old the guy is, he will always find a 22-year-old girl attractive. <laughs> So, uh, that book is full of insights like this, which is very, very interesting. And for anyone trying to find a partner through dating apps or matrimonial apps, I would highly recommend that they read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about the girls? What, what did they find attractive? Uh, yeah. uh, it, it naturally sort of progresses with age. Like, uh, uh, okay. Know, it's correlated to their own age. Uh, does it align with the with your your understanding about evolution? Uh, you you still uh, it kind of fits into your definition when you saw the data. I don't know if if it's my definition as such, but it it uh, I can see I can see uh, that it's very aligned with the sort of observations that I make of the market. Where on these matrimonial apps, you see that somebody is 36 years old, but they want girls between 22 and 28. And you're like, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Like, <laughs> true, but yeah, true. yeah, yeah, I do see this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what has been uh, your biggest pain point, you know, in, in your line of work, especially in the, in the recent years? Biggest pain point. Um, I can, I can point you to one though. Uh, you really hate it when people give away your numbers to some uncle and aunties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talking on, like, doing unscheduled calls makes me really, really nervous. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because it's just that I spend most of my day on calls uh, with people, uh, okay. with my clients. And so when I get an unscheduled call by someone, totally random who absolutely does not understand what I do. Um, Could you give an example of how how that would be? (laughs) I don't know. Like somebody will get a number from someone and they'll be like, hey, I'm your uh, like aunt's walking friends, neighbors, best friends. (laughs) I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, tell me. (laughs) And they'll be like, "Uh, I'm just going to WhatsApp you like my uh, son's horoscope uh, these are our requirements, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, can you send some, like, profiles <laughs> on WhatsApp? <laughs> you'll be like, oh, you'll, you'll be like uh, I have a website. Can you ask your, like, son to go register on the website? And yeah. they'll be like, uh, yeah, okay. And then they'll look at it and they'll, like, never come back to you after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, 
sometimes it's that and sometimes it's also people who contact you because they got your number from somebody and they'll be like uh they'll quiz you a lot like they quiz me a lot about who i am and what i do and what my cast is and like what my everything is <laughs> before they share any details about themselves oh, they are evaluating you huh yeah yeah and they'll also give me like free advice on how i should believe in cast and i should practice my cast <laughs> and things like that free advice okay uh. yeah yeah but i would say like the most painful bit of my work is trying to explain what i do um because it's it's not easy to understand because it's not something that is easily available and i think in some sense i'd like to think that i am a pioneer who's kind of establishing this field uh mm. so this pain is expected as much as i hate it i you know completely sort of understand and and i try my best and that's why i have a youtube channel where i try to explain what i do uh by sort of talking about it in different ways um hopefully that will help yeah it is i think it's a great place uh, you know people if you haven't checked out the youtube channel i think you definitely must head to uh, priyanka's youtube channel i think it's it's a phenomenal uh, resource addressing the common concerns i think people generally have in their mind right i think you really yeah. uh, put that out very clearly uh, yeah. with a lot with a lot of acting you do pretty good there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you were you in drama like you you were no. a theater person <laughs> no i wasn't <laughs> like your your uh, you know uh, you you pretty much pull out the south indian typical south indian you know mother of others you know dialogue very well i i really like oh, really? Okay. yeah yeah <laughs> I, i i can just watch you and say are yaar i have seen this behavior before right this interesting right, so yeah right yeah no i mean i'm i'm horrible i'm horrible with these videos i'm very very like uncomfortable in front of camera and it actually took me a bunch of Uh, parody videos that i made to get myself comfortable with being on video yeah yeah i think uh, especially now with covid uh, everybody has no choice but really to get comfortable with technology or camera in yeah. front of them right so yeah i think true. it's a good thing happening in a way <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh i wanted to ask you about uh Uh, was there any article or or a piece of content that you created and you really put in a lot of heart and soul into it and you know you you thought this will be like a kickass stuff you know people will like really rave about it but nothing happened mm, like all of my stuff no like <laughs> <laughs> come on <laughs> <laughs> no. no but still uh, is there a piece which you really worked uh, quite a bit and you know uh, but and I, i want to flip that question also that could be a piece which you wrote without expecting much but it got a lot of traction so uh, i mean there has happened a few times but i can't like uh, think i i i can't really uh, oh um yeah probably probably this one um, i mean i'm just try to remember so i i remember writing uh, a piece of fiction uh, called mm-hmm. dear mummy it was oh yeah 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 i did uh, give it a reading yes yeah yeah i thought it was so interesting i thought it was so interesting <laughs> uh but it didn't sort of become as widely read as i'd hoped for uh but i thought it was so interesting and i thought like a lot of people would be able to relate to it uh but yeah it didn't become as popular okay and 
any piece which you didn't think it will do great and then it 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 got a good response you know people kind of reached out to you saying that that was good uh so this probably goes back to 2018 where um i had a i had a um column in a um newspaper called mint i don't know if you've heard of the paper it's a hindustan yes. times publication yeah so i used yeah. to have a relationship column on that paper oh uh, and really I remember yeah um this was in 2018 um mm-hmm. i remember writing about how <laughs> 30s is not new 20s as in <laughs> i wrote about how like people would like to think that you know you can very well get married in your 30s and your options would be just as much but the reality is it's not true uh so i think a lot of people in their 30s really connected <laughs> with it <laughs> so i had a lot of people reaching out to me at that point of time but obviously when i wrote it i wasn't thinking at all like i just wrote something and uh it was it was interesting to see the number of people who reached out and uh, yeah you want to write a new article for the 40s and the 30s <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> yeah i think that that was the interesting piece i did read the 30s other new 20s yes that was yeah because was i think piece, for me yeah. it was a bit of a turning point where until then i think my advisory uh, service was quite sort of I, I really it, it was very fluid um, and I wasn't quite sure about what I was doing with it mm. but I think this was the point when I got a lot of clients and working with so many people at once who were going through very different issues helped me sort of structure my own service itself and I think from that perspective it was definitely a turning point in some sense Nice nice uh, what's something most people do not know about you Hmm. as i said yeah like they don't know they don't know that i had a life before marriage procranti uh, <laughs> that i have a very strong background in operations and you know in manufacturing and tech <laughs> um that i've studied and worked in a few different countries across three continents uh because of which you know my clients find it very easy to relate to me but like if they're not my clients they don't know that about me um because a lot of times uh like you know some people like um uh, talk to me and you know especially parents talk to me and like they'll think that I'm some random you know marriage <laughs> broker and they're like oh you know like in US and all like they'll be very busy with work you see they work in like google and I'm like you know I kind of know what that life's like but then you know, I don't say it <laughs> yeah, that's interesting uh, yeah yeah mm. but uh, yeah most people don't know that I um, had a life outside of marriage procranti yeah i think uh, you're not big on you know really endorsing that so uh, people don't get to know that but uh, yeah uh, i think it once they get to know that i think perspectives will change you know what how they see you so i mean i definitely sure. use that uh, to my benefit in the sense that it it really helps me in relating to all my clients because you know they come from very similar sort of uh, backgrounds or world views uh but i don't really go out and tell people saying hey yeah you know i'm educated <laughs> like if you don't really guess that based on how much i try to understand you then yeah it's okay you don't need to know <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah i think uh, a, a lot of as you rightly stated you know a lot of the parents who are the overprotective type i think they yeah. come to uh, really evaluate you or you know just to gauge are you really do you really know what you're dealing with you know that kind of a approach yeah true 
I mean, I don't blame them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's just a you know a, a a certain mindset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, what books have uh, shaped your thinking? You know, or, or there, are there any books which were early influencers in your life? So I mostly prefer reading fiction. Um, I don't really enjoy reading nonfiction. Um, I prefer to sort of you know listen to a TED talk or like uh, you know read a blog or something like that. So um, I find it I, I find it really hard to get through nonfiction uh, unless it's written very very well. Like for example, mm. some of the books that nonfiction books that I enjoyed reading were things like Sapiens or there was this other book I forget who the author is, but uh, it's called How Music Got Free. Um, okay. It, it, it's about how how uh, like like the starting of mp3 and like free music and music going online and things like that that was especially relevant when i was working in the entertainment media business uh, when i was in london mm-hmm. uh, but like a book needs to be really really well written like non fiction for me to get through it uh, but otherwise I, i enjoy fiction like i enjoy reading fiction so i i don't know if i can say anything like shape my thinking apart from the ones that i mentioned earlier which is Shoe dog, um, hold me yeah. tight, hold me tight, and data cleansing for sure. Okay, uh, and uh, what format do you listen, or uh, do you listen to you know audio books, or do you read uh, the I read, physical books? I read. Yeah, I okay. I can't listen to audio books. Like <laughs> I get too distracted. <laughs> I prefer to read and like kind of get lost in it. Uh, what's a question you know you wished more people asked you? What's a question? What do you do? <laughs> rather than no. assuming that i match make <laughs> ah that's interesting that's interesting yeah. yeah i think i think it's worth repeating yes yeah i would <laughs> i would love for people to ask me what i do <laughs> yeah yeah i think wow that's an interesting answer i like that okay wow priyanka i think uh, i really uh, had a blast having this conversation with you uh, you know there there is so much more actually i wanted to go deepen uh, and uh, you know then my podcast is going to become 3 hours which is <laughs> not something our audience will you know unless they are yeah, extremely sure. committed audio listeners they you know we will lose out on potential people who should be listening to this message so for sure for sure <laughs> yeah so i i really enjoyed your conversation and i i want you to continue doing what you do i think you're doing a phenomenal job out there so uh, just keep so it much. going yeah. yeah yeah i enjoyed the conversation as well um i think um uh, you're amazing in terms of the kind of questions you had in mind and uh, um yeah it was it was great right like i feel like a lot of podcasts um uh, don't do as well because they don't have very interesting hosts and the hosts don't know how to like listen and ask questions i i think you're doing a great job hey wow thank you priyanka that's really nice <laughs> hearing from a relationship coach so <laughs> thank you so much cool bye I hope you enjoyed the show. All the key points discussed will be available in the show notes section at www.rareearth.com. That is r a r e a r t h.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you really enjoyed, please do give me your feedback, review and rate on iTunes or any listening app of your choice. Do subscribe and share. Thank you.